Okay, let's get started with Sefer Shmos and Parsha Shmos, Tavshin Ayin Vav. Uh, tonight she is sponsored by Dr. Yehuda Dick, uh, Tuckman in honor of my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. May they continue to be healthy and happy together and celebrate many more smachot with all of their family. Be'ezras Hashem. Again, Dr. Yehuda Tuckman in honor of his parents' 50th wedding anniversary. Big mazel tov to the Tuckman family. Okay, let's start. Parsha Shmos, Sefer Shmos, a new beginning. New beginning in the world of Am Yisrael. It is the world of Am Yisrael. As we spoke about, it used to be the family of Yisrael. And now we start off with the world of Am Yisrael. And we start off with a Gemara that we have spoken about in the past. And that is the Gemara in Masech Sota, which Rashi quotes, that there were three people that were involved in the cabinet decision in Egypt what to do with the Jewish problem. What should we do? And all the different stages of first giving them taxes, as the Torah describes. Ultimately, that was the beginning in Pasuk Yud Aleph, first heavy taxation, and then and then it turned into backbreaking labor, and then it came into uh, unbelievably hard work, uh, very difficult, un- unfathomable even, um, exactly what we went through until uh, we went all the way to the bottom, and, and then towards the end of the parsha, as we start going, as we start going back up. But who made these decisions? And then ultimately throwing the boys into the river. So we know the Gemara tells us there were three major players in Paro's cabinet. Source number one, Gemara in Sota, Dafyat Aleph, Shlosha Hayubosa, Asa. There were three Bilam, Eov, and Yisro. Three of those great biblical personalities. Not all great in the positive sense, but major personalities. Bilam Sheyaatz, Bilam, we know, gave the Advice. Bilam was told uh, told them to throw him into the river. So he ultimately was Nehrach. He was killed. Yisro Shebarach Zachash Emibnei Badav Yeshva Belishkas Agazes. Yisro heard about it. He ran away. He couldn't stand, and therefore he was zochet to have his children in the Sanhedrin. And Eov Sheshasag Nidon Biyisurin. And Eov that didn't say a word. He was, as we know, Eov's lives. He was Nidon Biyisurin. So again, much is said about this. Why was Eov's punishment uh, not at the one that was that is most discussed? Rav Chaim Shmuel discusses that. We discussed that in past years. But this year we'll just start off with the Beis Halevi. Beis Halevi asks, what was the Mida Kenegan Mida exactly of Eov? Eov was quiet, and he therefore had Yisurin. What is the Mida Kenegan Mida? Bilam said to, kid to kill, so he was killed. And Yisro, he protested, so therefore he was Zochet to have something great from his descendants. Eov was quiet, and therefore, what's Yisurin? Ask the Beis Halevi, what is the Mida Kenegan Mida? Amr Peshem Beis Halevi, source number one. Kasha Shalulu Eov Madua Shatakta. When they asked Eov, why were you quiet? Anna, what does Eov answer? Well, would it have helped anyway? What good would it have done? Even if I protest, it's so what? What, to register a protest? Is there anything meaningful about just to say something? And the answer is, Ulam, Kasher, Bo'alav, Yisurim, Hechel, Oak. And later on in Eov's life, as we read in Sefer Eov, then he was screaming out, Shaluhu, Lama Titzak. Why are you crying out? It's not going to help. 
That's the Mida Kenegan Mida. Because when something hurts, we cry out. Eov cried out later when it hurt him, but it was his responsibility earlier in history. When it hurt Am Yisrael, when it hurt the Jews, when somebody, humankind, is getting hurt, Right? You said, oh, what would it have helped? Why should I cry out? So why are you crying out now? The message being, if there is some pain in the world, if there is a Jew in pain, if there is a Jew in trouble, we can't stand idly by, we have to care for them, we have to try to do whatever we can to help them with feelings of empathy and actions that hopefully will remove the Jew from the Tsar. Okay. So let's go back to the, towards the beginning of the Parsha. We have B'nai Yisrael listed here, the Shvatim, Ve'elushmos B'nai Yisrael. We know the Tada, the, uh, Balaturim, the remez of Shnayim Mikra Vechatargum, the word Shemos, the remez in the Torah for the, uh, the mitzvah derabanon of Shnayim Mikra, the halacha, and all the Shvatim are, are listed. Seventy Nefesh Yosef Hayabim Mitzrayim. Vayamas Yosef Acholacha Vachaladarahu, and Yosef and his brothers die out. Uvene Yisrael Paru, Vayishritsu, Vayirbu, Vayatsmu, Bim Od Maod. Many words meaning Expanding. Many children. Vayishritsu, Vayirbu, Vayatsmu, Bimod, Maod. The Torah is emphasizing many, 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 many children. What's the emphasis? Chazal pick up on each of these words. Paru, Shaloipilu, Nishosehem. Their wives did not miscarry. Velomesuk, Shem Tanim. They didn't die young. Every child was healthy and robust and grew up. Grug. Grew up, like the Gemara talks about in Sota, how they used to have the babies in the field, and Hashem used to take care of them underground. Vayishritzu, shahayu yodos shisha bekeres echad. Six at one time. Six tuplets. That's what they used to have. Six at one time. I mean, and everybody. It wasn't like something unusual. Expanding and many, many, many children. This is not the only time in history that a Jew was blessed with so many children in one pregnancy. There's another time that Chazal tell us. It's not explicit in Tanakh, but that is the bracha that Chazal assume what it is. If you remember the story in Sefer Shmuel Beis, in Perek Vav, David HaMelech is ready, he's in Yerushalayim, he says it's time to bring the Arun back to Yerushalayim. It's been sitting out, it hasn't been reunited uh, in the place where it's supposed to be since it went out and Eli sent it out and it was by the Plishtim and then it went back to Beit Shemesh and, and it's been sitting and it's time to bring it back. So they start the whole process, the whole party of bringing it back and we know this is the, uh, the Aftorah for Pasha Shemini, I think, the story of Peretz Uzzah. Uzzah is struck down. Something happens with the Aaron falling off the wagon and Uzzah tries to save it. Uzzah is struck down and David Melech realizes it's not time yet. It's not time yet. Now it has to stay in the house of Oved Edom Hagiti. That's where we pick up the story in source number two. Vayira David es Hashem vayomahu. Vayomer, eich yavo elai Aaron Hashem. David, after the, the tragedy of Uzzah being struck down, David says, I guess it's not time yet. To bring the Aaron back to Yerushalayim. David, Hashem, Alir David. See, decides, I'm not bringing it back, it's gonna stay where it is. Vayateu David, base Obeda Domagiti. Very next Pasik. Vayeshev, Aaron Hashem, base Obeda Domagiti, Shlosha Chadashim. It was there for three months. 
And then what happens? Vayivarech Hashem. Es Oved Edom. Ve'es Kol Hashem gives a special bracha to Oved Edom, his whole family. And because they had a bracha, David says, oh, I guess, I guess it's time now. After three months, Hashem's giving him the signal. Right? It's time. Everything's good. Vayugad Lamelech David Lemar. It was told to the king. Beirach Hashem is based Oved Edom. Es Kol Hashem. He has a tremendous bracha. David's like, okay. And as we know, David HaMelech then brings the Aaron back and he has the parade and he dances in front of the Aaron. Amazing. Mecharkim of Fazbez, uh dancing in front of the Aaron. What was the bracha that base Oved Edom experienced? That everybody's like, whoa, did he, did he make a lot of money? Did he win the lottery? What was the bracha? What was the bracha in those days? Says Rashi. There in Sefer Shmuel, with source number three, Ishto v'shmona kaloseha, she, the wife of Oed Edom, and her eight daughters-in-law, yoldu shisha banim v'keres echad. All of a sudden, there were 48 babies in diapers. Unbelievable. It's a bracha, right? The wife, even more, the wife, I'm sorry, the wife and the eight, so it's nine, right? 54 babies in diapers. It's unbelievable. It's a lot of diapers, right? V'keres echad, that's the bracha. All of a sudden, all the women, Kept having all these babies. That's an unbelievable bracha. Fascinating question. Ask the Achronim. Wait a minute. How long? And so that's the other time. Shisha Bekeres Echad. We have it in our parsha, and we have it there in Sefer Shmuel. Question: How long was the Aron in base Oved Adom? Three months. So what do you mean they were having Shisha Bekeres Echad? Three months is not a pregnancy. You have to have nine months, ten months, okay, even eight months, seven months, three months. So what do you mean that they were having babies already? What do you mean they were having shisha v'keres echad? How are we supposed to understand that bracha? How is that bracha public and relevant? What, they became pregnant before or they became pregnant now? And How exactly are we supposed to understand? So the Vilna Gon says, well, maybe just practically they were very large. If you're pregnant with six babies, it's a big pregnancy. So maybe that's how they knew. They knew there were a lot. Okay. But there's another fascinating suggestion. If you look in source number four, the Mishpat Zohav discusses this problem of, on the third line, How did they know that they were each going to have six? They said to David, there's a great bracha. It was the beginning of their pregnancy. So it says the Gra, is the Gra quoted, It was very large, and it was obvious that they were very, uh, that it was going to be a big pregnancy. Okay, but there's another answer. Another answer based on a story. Based on a story of the Maharsham. Story is told here, he quotes, There was a city that had terrible gzera. There was some type of decree that was against the city and they were very nervous and they were very upset that this gzera, whatever it was, was going to be fulfilled. A chacham came to the town and said, if you raise this amount, if we raise this amount at staka, the gzera is going to be mavutal. It's going to be nullified. I, I can tell you. Right when we have this amount of tzedakah, that's chus. Right? Tzedakah is the, one of the only mitzvahs. If they are the only mitzvah you could do, I'll tonight, kind of Hashem, please do this for me. That's why we make me shaberas and we give tzedakah. 
So the, the Chacham said, if you get stuck us, then the Xerah is going to be Batel. So they gathered it very quickly, and, the, and uh, they had all the money, and the next day, they get a telegram, the Xerah is Batel. Unbelievable, they're celebrating, they're, un, they're so happy, amazing. This Tzaddik knew he was a Navi, he knew, he knew he was able to be Mevatel the Xerah. But then, one second, they checked the date of the telegram. And it was b- three days ago. The date of the telegram was from before the tzaddik told them, if you give all this stuck up, the is going to be Batel. So, one second, the people of the city said, wait a minute. So, the Xero was going to be nullified without our stuck up. Can we have our money back? It obviously wasn't because we wanted to give the stuck up. Because that was, the, it was already in the mail, right? The Xerah was already nullified before we even did it. So they wanted to take back their tzedakah. The Chacham says, no, you gave the tzedakah already. And they said, no, but we only gave the tzedakah al that we needed it, you know, to be Mavata the Xerah. We went above and beyond what we normally would have given. So this is, this is, we want that tzedakah back. So they were arguing and the Shaila finally came to the Marsham. The Marsham, Rav Shalom Shwadron, the great-grandfather of the, the Magad of Yerushalayim with the same name. So the Marsham says, I don't have a raya from any Gemara anywhere how to answer this question. That's why you have to go to the Gdoli Ador. A, to know if there's a Gemara out there. And B, if there is no Gemara, okay, what do you do then? What do you do now if there is no Gemara? So says the Marsham, with this fascinating story. Line 15. Right, what would you say? It's a good Shabbos table question. Right? Do they have to give it stucker still? Or they only gave it on condition they thought it was only because I want to get rid of the Xera. But now it turns out that the Xera was already nullified before they even promised to give it stucker. So maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they should get their, get their money back. So they asked the Marsham. The Marsham says, there's no Gemara about it, but I have a story in Navi about it. Our story. Base Oved Edom Hagiti. Viamar Sheinlo Raya Ladavar Zemea Shas Amnam Yeshlo Raya Mehanavi Mehamaisa Shabes Oved Edom Hagiti. Sharek Kasav, he quotes our problem. It's only three months. But the pregnancy, right? We're assuming that right, they're only three months pregnant. What kind of bracha is that? Says the Marsham, no. What does the Gemara say? What does Rashi say? They had the babies. They had six, meaning. They had the babies now. These were the last three months of the pregnancy, not the first three months of the pregnancy. So then the question is, wait a minute. So then when did the pregnancies happen? It happened six months before the whole, it was needed. So how do you understand this, says the Marsham. You know what you have to say? Six months ago, even before the Aron came to this house, Hashem saw in the future that this house was going to be Zochet to this bracha. So he already put in motion the salvation and the bracha from beforehand, even before we deserved it, so to speak. Because he knew, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's foreknowledge, exactly that this was going, was going to be the case. So they all impregnated their wives earlier. Al smach in the future, Hashem knew. Yes, Bechir Hashem's foreknowledge, but we're not going to get to that right now. But Hashem knew. 
Says the Marsham, the telegram was only sent because Hashem knew that you were going to give the tzedakah. Hashem knew that you were going to push yourself and raise the amount, and that's why you were Zocher. Of course you have to give the tzedakah. The Xera, you think it was only because, it was beforehand. It was only beforehand because this is what Hashem knew that you were going to promise to do. Veroim, line 18. She b'schus ma'ise tov zeh, she asa, tziva sabracha bashamayim kvar kodem lochein. Hashem was already mitzvah the bracha beforehand. Kadei shetuchal lehizkayim bizmano abracha hamiyuchedes hazu. Says the Marsham, so it's the same thing here. Yadu bashamayim shehem yitnu aschum l'tzdako levatel l'sakzera, and that's good enough. Remember, Hashem knows. Why did Hashem? We could talk about it related to our parsha. Why did Hashem redeem us from Mitzrayim? Because He knew we were going to serve Him on Har Sinai. Right? That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was told at the end of the parsha. Why? Bezos them with this. Why? Am I? They have no schuyos. Really? Right? No mitzvos. That's what we were. We were Arom Ve'erya, as the as Chazal say. We were naked from mitzvos until we had the Dam Pesach and the Dam Mila. But Hashem knew. And therefore, with Hashem HaAsid, He put into motion various events. And that's exactly what happened in the story of the six babies there. And this could also also relate to our, our Pasuk, where you have Shisha Bekeres Echad, the earlier time in history. Okay. That gets us going tonight. Now let's move on to the next Pasuk. After B'nai Yisrael are being Marbe and Atzum, Vayakam Melachadash al Mitzrayim, Ashaloyades Yosef. A new king, new sheriff is in town. Vayakam Melachadash, one of the more well known Rashis on the Pasik. Rashi quotes also the Gemara in Sota. Most of the Rashis on this Parsha and next Parsha, really mostly this Parsha, is in from Masecha Sota, the end of the first parak, where a lot of this uh, is discussed. The Mishnah that speaks about Miriam, Miriam waiting for Moshe. Uh, and that's why Mida Kenegad Mida got into the whole discussion of Miriam and this time period. So Vayakem Alachadash, a new king, Rav Vishmuel. Notice the new king also, his name is not mentioned. It says Vayakem Alachadash, and it continues. And then Pasuk Yerches Vayikra Melech Mitzrayim. Finally, Pasuk Chav Beis, the last Pasuk Vayitzav Paro. It waited. And we know also, this we've talked about in the past, the names of the midwives are not given. They have code names. Shifra and Pua. Moshe Rabbeinu's parents' names are not given. They're just an Ishvi Beis Levi and a Bas Levi. Up until Moshe, there's really no names. It's Moshe Rabbeinu. He is the root. He is the first besides Paro, which finally is mentioned. The Pasuk right before Moshe's birth, maybe a lead into Moshe, but the Torah wants to emphasize and highlight Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, this is the source of the Geula, as we will see, and there are no other names given. So, Vayakam al-Chadash, says Rashi, Machlokas Rav and Shmuel. What does Chadash mean? Chad Almar Chamash, Chadash Mamish. One says it was really a new king. Vachad Amar, Shedeschad Shukzeirosav. No, it was the same king, meaning it was a king that knew the entire Yosef story, but right, he changed his tune. He changed his attitude toward toward Am Yisrael. So the question is asked by the Mefarshim, the Ben Yehoyada in source number five, the Ben Ishchai. Just asks if you say that it was Nischad Shuk 
According to that opinion, that it was the same king, but he acted like he was a new king. So then we understand what the Pasuk is teaching me. It's teaching me that the element of Kfui Tova, the element of somebody who has, who has Yosef and his descent, therefore his descendants, to thank for his existence, and he doesn't. This is Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim symbolizing no, no gratitude, nothing. That's, that's a chiddush, nishachachuk zeirosav. It was a new king. No, it's not really a new king. It was the same old king, but he changed his attitude. So then we understand what the Pasuk is teaching me. But if it's chadash mamish, if it's a new king, so what, what is the Pasuk telling me then? What am I learning from the Pasuk then? Says the Ben Yehoyada. Two answers. It's very fascinating to see these answers based on the time period that the Ben Yehoyada lived in the 1800s. Let's see what the Ben Yoyada answers. Line 8. Lachain, Manda Amarzeh. What is he? I'm sorry, let's start from the line 2. Nero Libesiata Deshmaya. Right, why is it? What's the Kiddush of the Pasik if it's really new? Nero Libesiata Deshmaya gives two answers. Mishu Melech Ben Melech. Kishem, he's just giving us the appreciation a little bit of the sociological changes that were happening in Mitzrayim at this moment. That's what the Ben Yodah is going to give us a little insight into the Mitzrayim story as it will help us understand the next couple of parshios. Number one. Nearly. Mishu melech ben melech kishemolech achermos aviv ein hamalchus etzlo chadash amamish. If somebody steps into their father's shoes, if there is a royal family and the prince takes over for the king, is that really a new king? When the prince becomes the king, he's been earmarked, so to speak. He's been, everybody knows this is the future king. This is the king elect, or not even elected. This is the king. Ya'an, kigam aviv, Even when he was, right, what do we say now? Right, and then he, he's second to the throne. He's third to the throne. Even now, what do you mean? They're not a king. Right, they're third to the throne. Because they already have shaychus. They're already connected to the king. Even though they're not the king yet. But if they're in the family, it's, it's called that. If it's not in the genes. If it's a new king, not inherited, that's new. He's not connected at all. Suggestion number one, therefore, says the Ben Yehoyada, in Mitzrayim, it, didn't, it wasn't given to Yerusha. A new person from a new family came every generation. That's what it means, Melech It wasn't even that he was, it was given to him through his family. Number one. But then there's number two. Oh, Yuvan, Bisyata Deshmaya, or another Pshat, Hakavana, Tisvira Lemi Kodem, Lohayel Mitzrayim, Melech Gomor Kashar Melachim. At that time period, there wasn't a Melech like other Melachim. But what was there? Elahaya, let's read some of these words. Haya Republic. Kemosha yesh ata b'malchus American, u b'malchus France, v'arosh kol ha-republic, 
Haya Nikra Paro. There was a position. You know what happened right now in Mitzrayim? You know what it means? Chadash. They created the position of the Pharaoh. And whoever got that position became the Pharaoh. And that maybe, he doesn't mention it, but I'll add it, that maybe laid the groundwork for that idea of whoever goes into that position gets that title. Right? If somebody, Lahab, maybe not so Lahab, I don't know, Lahab, somebody becomes the Pope. They no longer are, they, they have to take their, a new name. They're Pope blank. Right? They're pre- President blank. President, it's, that's Pharaoh or Avimelech in Gror. There were a few of these. Of the names. V'yacharkach. Kodem sheshibdu Yisrael shinu tachzu shalohem uminu aleihem melech. V'lazeomar chadash mamis. So there might have been a change in the way that the governmental positions were given in Mitzrayim. So maybe that's where Ben Yoyada, interestingly, gives us an insight into that. Okay, that's melech chadash. Now let's get into Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's Perak Base. Perak Base we have Amram and Yocheved, all the background that Chazal tell us, Amram didn't want to have any more kids. Miriam convinced him, right, you're worse than Paro. Paro only was goes there on the boys, your goes there on the girls. So they come back and Miriam is, is uh, prophesizes she's very young. Right, she's only six years older than Moshe. So when she was less than six years old, she was already a Nevia. She was already saying, my parents, my mother is going to have the one that's going to help redeem us. They saw, she saw that he was good, right? There was light. She, she hides him for three days. She puts him in a Little boat, a little raft. She puts him in the water. And she stands on the side, hoping beyond hope. You can think of the Nile. The Nile was the main thoroughfare during the times of Egypt. Imagine huge boats and people with the oars going by. This tiny little baby. Unbelievable miracle that he just survived. Miriam was watching. Through the suf, right? To see what was going to happen. Ask the Yagdal Torah, source number six. Yesh lohavin. Keitzad chashva yocheved lahatzilo al yedeshi nichas atev al sfas hayar. What was Miriam exactly thinking by putting him in the water? Why'd she do that? Like, like hide him. Is this like the? This is not the most secretive place that you could have picked. Put him in the basket on the Nile River. Did she think that the daughter of Paro was going to find the baby and take a liking to him and take him into the palace and he was going to grow up there? Obviously, Hashem had a plan. But from Miriam's point of view, why the river? Why not hide him in the field? You can't keep him in the, in the house anymore. So put him, put him up in a tree. Put him somewhere. You put him in the river and you set it, let him go. So what was she thinking? Says the Agdo Torah. Gamatina Gemara Sota. The Gemara even says in Sota. Kiba Oso Hayom Shenolad Moshe Rabbeinu Alavashalam. On the day that Moshe was born, Balahagzera. They nullified the decree. Remember, Rashi quotes it. 
that everybody had to throw their babies into the river, their baby boys, even the Egyptian baby boys. Unbelievable. Pyro made such a law. But the day that Moshe was born, the Gezerah was nullified. Why? What happened? Right? What the, astro- the, the astronomers that looked in the stars, what did they see? What did they see? First they saw the baby, the, the, the Moshe and Yisrael was born today. Okay. So why is that? They should be really nervous. Everybody, as we just mentioned, on that day the Savior was brought was born. They don't know if he's going to be Jewish or not. They don't know, so they threw all of them in. But what else did the astronomers see? They saw that the leader of the Jewish people was going to meet his end, so to speak, with water. There was going to be a problem with water. And that was going to be his demise. That was going to lead to his his ending. And as we know, that's the Memeriva and Parshas Chukas, whatever the hate was with hitting the rock. But the astronomers looked into the sky. And you don't see clearly when you're looking into Egyptian astronomy. Miriam the Nevia, Miriam the wise little girl, she knew that astronomers don't see clearly. Right? We know that from a couple of weeks ago. Remember the astronomers by Paro? They looked into the stars, they had no idea. Seven, two. Seven, seven. So you see things, but you don't really see it clearly because it's, it's Ruach Tumah, right? It's, it's from the dark side. So you see things, but you're not clear. Miriam says, I got it. They see that he's going to be affected by water. I'm going to put him in the water. So you know what they're going to see? They're going to think it's done. They're going to think it's finished, it's all over, and they're going to stop trying to get us. To mislead the astronomers. Why was the decree nullified on that day? Because they looked into the stars and they said, Guys, it's finished. He's done. He's in the water. It's already affected him. We don't have to worry about anything. Right? Why is it? Think about it. They had this Nabu and then all of a sudden they stopped worrying about it. We don't hear again from these Itztakninim because of Miriam's wisdom. Miriam says, I'll put him in the water. And they don't see clearly, so they'll think it's done. They'll think the Xera has already been done and therefore there's nothing more to worry about. There are two other stories, says the Yagdal Torah, that we could relate to this. Relate to this. Line 23. There's a story about one of the Talmidim of the Maharal. 1500s. Rabbi Shabtai. There was a non-Jewish servant. There was a servant who worked in his house. And the husband was a drunkard. Worked as a shoemaker. Every time she brought home her paycheck, 
by working an honest living. Her husband would take the money, go buy whiskey, get drunk, beat her, abuse her. And it's terrible. Mako Usav, it's so ekshatavi, Kesef, bring me more money. Kshara says, base ma'avida Yehudi, when she saw, she looked at the family of the Jews where she worked. Ketaniri simcha Shabbos v'yantif. She sees the contrast between herself and her husband and the Jewish family. She's like, I can't do this anymore. I've had enough of this. She's like, I need to convert. I need to convert. She turned to this servant, this uh, Talmud of the Maral. And at that time to convert, it was... It was Sakhanis the Fashas to convert. So what happened? He says, according to the Polish law, Onesh Maves, Ripshati Yikiris Midosea, he realized that this is a woman who's true, Ritsona MS. So he says, you know what? Go to my Rebbe the Maral. Go to Prague. Go to Prague. He'll take care of you. Hypnosalar Abu Maral, right? He'll be what he'll, uh, he will take care of you. So he sent her to the Ma'arab with a letter of Hamlatsa, a letter of, uh, you know, of good things. In Kesef, with some money, the Ma'arab takes her, is Megayer her in private. She marries a Jewish man, and they almost live happily ever after. Yom Echad, one time. All of a sudden, she's in her store in Prague. She sees out on the street her husband, her old non-Jewish husband with steam coming out of his ears and he does not look happy. And he's looking, obviously, for who? She runs out the back door of a Ratzel She runs to who else? The Maharal. And Maral says, go home. Say that you're sick. Be covered. Cover yourself in a white sheet. And put some grass and dirt on you. After three days, the Maral sends to her, it's okay now, you could come out. The Maral, she says to the Maral, how do you know what, what happened? What's going on? Says the Maharal, it's the same thing that happened to Miriam. Shehaven, how did this guy know that she was in Prague? Because he went to the she went, he went to the people with the crystal balls, and when they looked in the skies and looked in the stars, she's in Prague. But nothing's ever clear. Never see anything clear. She's in Prague. So he goes to Prague. I'm going to find her in Prague. Ulam oso chose turning over. When you look in the future, you can't know for sure. So So you know what? The the Chose, the future teller from the other city, gave the husband a letter, you know, give this to so-and-so. I know this other uh, stargazer in Prague. And the Maral said, I had you go in bed, put a white sheet on you, and cover you with dirt and grass, so that they'll think that you died. They'll think that what well, who else is surrounded by a white sheet with dirt and grass on them unless they died. Says the Maharal, he left and you have nothing more to worry about. Because when it's not Nevuah, when it's not 
The contrast, that could be another part of the hidden contrast in the Parsha, the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the one who more than anybody else in history saw clarity in his divine connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The contrast is that are these astronomers and as, that see, but they don't know what they're seeing. And that's why Miriam unbelievably put him in the water. Why the water? It's so dangerous because she wanted them to stop looking for him. And the only way they would stop looking for him is if they looked into the stars and thought that he was already gone. And that's what happened with the Maharal as well. And just one other story now, going back in history with the Rambam, whose yard site is, why are we mentioning this? Whose yard site is Be'ezus Hashem tomorrow night. Chav Teves. Says the Rambam. Story of the Rambam. As we know, he was also one of the great doctors. And various stories about the other doctors in the Egypt that were jealous of the Rambam. And they put poison into one of the medicines that the Rambam had prepared for the king. And they said, oh, the Rambam wants to kill. Right? They uh, created an, um, a liable against the Rambam. The Rambam saw that news. He went and he hid. However, he hid. What did he say? Get me. It's all the same idea. Get me a barrel of water. What did he do? The Rambam went into the barrel of water. He put a rock on top of the barrel of the head, and then he was sad and learned Torah. They couldn't find him. They went back to the Chosim, these astronomers. Find him. And they said, Chaval, he's already traveled somewhere. He's on an island somewhere in the middle of the sea. You know, it's no use. The king all of a sudden realizes that there's something fishy going on here. Rambam must be hiding. And he says, he publicizes Rambam. I'm not going to get you. The Rambam comes back in and he says, this is what they saw. They saw me in the water. But they see and they don't know what they're seeing. Miriam realizes that and she picked up on it and therefore she was able to save Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay. Moving right along. Perak Beis Pasuk Yud. Beis Yud. Basia Basparo takes Moshe Rabbeinu in. Little Moshe. And the mother nurses. We've spoken probably about every detail of this pasuk before. Why Dafka Moshe? Why was that the name that stuck? Basia. Uh, well, what did she see? Right? How would she try to take him? Did she really? Does it really make sense that the daughter of Egypt? What the king of Egypt was going to take this Egyptian, this Jewish baby in. But this year we'll focus on the Eben Ezra, which we discussed many years ago. The Eben Ezra notes, isn't it amazing that Moshe grew up in the house of Paro? How ironic. How unbelievable. Dafka under his nose. So why was that? Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu need Moshe to grow up in the palace. Just let him grow up with the rest of the Jews and then take him and, 
And he'll be the leader, says the Eben Ezra, which we discussed in the past. Rabbi Rucham quotes in the beginning of source number eight, two words, slave mentality. Slave mentality. Meaning, one of my Talmudim asked me this this week. There were so many Jews, they didn't want to fight back. Right? Shisha Bekaris Echad. Were they more Jews or more non-Egyptians? You know how many Jews? Everybody had six babies. How many Jews there were? Why didn't they fight back? Same answer. Slave mentality. They weren't in the mode. They didn't have the attitude of being able to overcome. They were in a state of yeush. They were in a state of giving up. They couldn't fathom getting out of their servitude because this is all they ever knew. Says the Eben Ezra, that's why Moshe Rabbeinu had to grow up in the palace because he did not have the slave mentality. He had to have the mentality of independence. He went out of the palace and he saw something and what did he do? He killed the Mitzri. Why didn't anybody else kill the Mitzri? Well, Moshe, they were, Moshe was worried for his life also, but no, he couldn't because Moshe didn't have that attitude. And that's what he says on line three. This is quoted in the Eben Ezra. And that's why. Says Rav Yerucham two points. I learned, says Rav Yerucham, two points from this Eben Ezra and from this Pasuk. Number one. Rashis, line seven. Godel ha'inyid shel limud v'regilus b'chinach ha'adam v'achshiru l'gadlus. The great inyan, the great idea of learning from what you see around you and how you're influenced by what's around you and what you're used to. Ki Moshe Rabbeinu b'vadei m'shurcha mikol taivos. Moshe Rabbeinu we're talking about. He was the most perfect. Right? He reached the levels that, that nobody else could reach. One of the animamins is that Moshe Rabbeinu was different. And yet, and yet, he still had, he still had to grow up in the house of Paro. Why? Because he would have been affected. He would have been affected by his surroundings. He wouldn't have been able to do what he was able to do if he grew up with the rest of the Jews. We're talking about Moshe. Doesn't matter, says Rabbi Yerucham. It shows you the power of what you're used to and where we are. There's so many environments that we're in. It's easier to do what we want to do in certain environments. And it's harder in others. We have to do our best to choose the environments that make it easier to be a Ben Torah, that make it easier to be an Eved Hashem. That is our goal. Even Moshe Rabbeinu would have been affected, according to this Eben Ezra, uh, if he would have grown up with the rest of the Jews, number one. But then he says number two. Number two, and that is Vahashen, is on line 21. Liros no raos, eza hachana haisa nitzreches l'kol ha-Moshe Rabbeinu lios o-muchan ze lios ze Moshe ha-ish asher l'helas b'neisol me'eretz b'tzrayim. You know what he needed? Let's talk about the idea itself of the Eben Ezra. You have to have a certain self-confidence and self-worth about what each of us can accomplish in order to fulfill our potential. If we don't think we could do it, if we've given up on ourselves, then we're never going to be able to accomplish anything. We need the attitude of, I can. I could do it. 
not to have that servitude mentality, have, have servitude mentality, but only to be an Eved Hashem. Not to be a servant to anything else in life. Line 26. We have to think of ourselves on a Madrega Elyona. Each of us have such kochos. Keep a nefesh If I don't think of myself as having power and koach to be able to accomplish, then it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'm not going to be able to do it. We all have to look within ourselves and say, Hashem has given me so much. Hashem wants me to accomplish so much. And I could do it. I could do it because Hashem wants me to do it and He's given me all the kochos. Hashem has made me a shliach. And if I'm a shliach, obviously He's given me everything I need, I need to achieve the shlichus. Story is told, I think I've told this in, in the past, in other contexts, of the stipler was once talking to a taxi driver, a firm taxi driver. And he asked the taxi driver, you know, do you get to learn anything? And the taxi driver says, you know, I'm up extremely early every day. I work long days. You know, taxi driving is not what it used to be. And, uh, you know, after I finish my shift, you know, I go to the, I go to the Beit HaKneset, I go to the shul, and the rabbi gives a dafyomi shir before myriv. And I owe every, I don't miss it. I go to the shir, but within 30 seconds, I'm sleeping. And I wake up by the Kaddish after the shir. Every single night. So I'm kind of like, probably shouldn't go to the shir. I'm thinking that I should just go home. Go to my wife, see my wife an hour earlier. And, you know, in that way, I'll, you know, because I'm not getting anything out of it anyway. I, I feel bad for the rabbi says the stipler to him. And I'll read you his words. It's quoted in a number of places. I'll read it from the Sefer Sheifos. Rebbe, I'm sorry, he quoted the story. The stipler says, Dalacha, she'amnam kan ba'olam hazeh, nirilacha she'en harbe. In this world, you think that, oh, you're not part of the shir, you're, you're full asleep. I could promise you, says the stipler, ne'emana, General Gadol. In Shemayim, you're unbelievable. You feel like you're sleeping now in the Shear, but you know what? You go to the Shear. You're wiped after a long day. What do all your colleagues do? What are all your, all your friends who are taxi drivers? What do they do after a long day? You spend an hour in the shul. You try. You go there. He says, that's all you need. There's so much power that each of us have. We just have to realize it. We're all Moshe Rabbeinu's, says Rav Yeruchim. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu didn't grow up with the Avdus. Because he needed that positive idea. He needed that positive attitude about himself. There's just one other. I didn't put it on here, but Rav Bunim. Rav Bunim writes also an amazing comment on a halacha that we all know. The Gemara tells us the big three, that we all have to be we have to give our life for. Two of them have sources in the Torah. Right? Gili Arayas has a source and Avodah has a source. How do we know that Shrikas Damim is Yaharig Valyavar? If somebody says to us, kill the other person or I'm going to kill you, we have to be killed. Why? It's a svara. It's based on a svara. It's not based on a positive. It's based on a svara. 
My chazis. Right? Who says that your blood is redder? Maybe his blood is redder. My chazis to dama didachsu maktfei. Dilma dama da'ahu gavrasu maktfei. And Rashi tells us in Masechus, Pesachim da'afchavhei, on that line. Mi yomar, shenafshecha chaviva lefnei hamakom yoser mishelzeh. Who says that your nefesh is more beloved to Hashem than the other person's? Maybe the other one is more beloved. Imagine if somebody came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, kill so-and-so or I'm going to kill you. What's the halacha? What does Moshe Rabbeinu have to do in that situation? If somebody puts a gun to Moshe's head and says, kill him or I'm going to kill you, you know what the halacha is? It's the same halacha as it is for any other Jew. Moshe has to give his life. Why? My chazis. My chazis, every Jew is beloved. And only a Kaddish Baruch Hu knows about the beloved nature of every Jew. Says Rabunim, Sheyitachain. And only Rabunim can say this. Sheoso Yehudi Yehei Chashav Eitzla Kaddish Baruch Hu Kimo Moshe Rabbeinu Mamish. Im Yase Kol Masha Bekoch Olasos. Al Karin Lo Titche Nafsho Sheyehudi Apashut Biyoser. A positive attitude about ourselves, a positive attitude about Am Yisrael. Moving right along. Paragimel. There's a lot to talk about here. Paragimel, we have now Moshe Rabbeinu has grown up. He's run away. And we have the story of Moshe and the Sneh. Moshe in the burning bush. First time Moshe has a conversation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem says to him, first of all, take off your shoes. Shana alecha me'al raglecha, because this place where you were standing were Adam Kodesh. Vayomer. Here it is. The first thing that Hashem says to Moshe. First words. First he says, Moshe, Moshe. And Moshe says, Hineni. Okay, that's an introduction. And what's the first thing Hashem says? Vayomer. Anochi elokei avicha. Elokei Avraham. Elokei Yitzchak. Elokei Yaakov. I am the God of... If we read this quickly, what would we translate this as if we don't really focus? I'm the God of your forefathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what does it say? It doesn't say that. Vayomer anochi elokei avicha. I am the God of your father. And then elokei avram, Yisak, and Yaakov. It doesn't say, right, in general. It's talking about avicha. Father. What does that mean? Dafka amram. I am the God of Amram, Amram, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. What's Avicha here? Says the Meshachachma, this is the basis for a Rambam. And Rav Kuberman points out in the footnotes, this is a classic Meshachachma, pointing out a source in the Torah Shebechsav, which Chazal did not point out. Says the, Meshachach, says the Rambam, in source number nine, right next to where we were just reading. The Rambam here is giving the, his, giving the history of mitzvos. Says the Rambam, Al Shisha Dvarim Nitzava Adamarishon. Moshe Adamarishon got six mitzvahs. Noach gets all the credit. Sheva mitzvahs be Noach. That's only because he got the seventh. But Moshe got, Adam got six mitzvahs. Avodazara, Birchaz Hashem, Shvichaz Damim, Giliarayas, Gazaldinim. So he got, if we remember it in the order, Bez Gimel Dalit and the big three. Right? He didn't get Aleph, Avram, and Achai. Birchaz Hashem, Gazaldinim, and the big three. And then, skipping down, V'chein ha'yah ha'davar b'chal ha'olam 
I'm sorry, and then Noah got Abraham and Achai. V'chein hoyet over v'chol ha'olam, ad Abraham. Nitztava, tell Abraham, Nitztava yeser al-eilu b'mila. Abraham got one more. Abraham got one more command, bris mila. The who is Paul Shachris? And he davened Shachris. The Yitzchak, hifrish meiser. The hosif tefillah acheres, lefnos hayom. He added on another tefillah. It's amazing, this is not our issue now, but it's amazing that the Rambam calls Shachris Shachris. He does not call Mincha anything. He says, he davened something towards the end of the day. And then the Yaakov hosif gidan noshev is pala arvis. So he's okay to call it Shachris and Arvis, but he doesn't call it Mincha. Fascinating. Not for now. But then, look at the next line of the Rambam. Ube Mitzrayim Nitztave Amram B'mitzvos Yeseros Amram got more mitzvos. Ad Sheba Moshe Rabbeinu V'nishlama Torah al-Yado Until Moshe Rabbeinu came, says the Rambam, who in history received mitzvos? Adam, Noah, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Amram. Where did he get that from? And which mitzvos did Amram get? Where did it say that Amram got any mitzvos? Says the Mesha, and the, the Kesev Mishnah there throws up his hands. Last line in source number 10. Tzarech iyun heichemaisila. I have no idea, says Rabbi Yosef Cairo, where the Rambam got this from, that Amram received mitzvos. Says the Mesha Chachma, I'm not sure what those mitzvos are, and you know what? The Rambam didn't say what those mitzvos are, so maybe the Rambam also didn't know which mitzvos he got. But he knew he got mitzvos. How did he know? This Pasuk. Because the God of means you're commanded in mitzvos. Elokei Avram Elokei Avicha. The God of your father. That God-servant relationship is seen through mitzvos. That's how it is Reflected. Lefi, you got to have the Rambam by heart on your fingertips to make this suggestion. Unbelievable. Lefi Masha, Kasav Rambam, Ilchas Malachim, Sheha Avos Chitu Mitzvos, the Amram Nitztaveb Mitzrayim Mitzvos Yaseros. Nobody says what they are, but there's a Maritzchayas in Sota that has one suggestion, but not for now. Lakak Sivalokea Vicha Ze Amram, Sheha Gimel Avos Im Amram Nitztaveb Mitzvos. That's why it says Elokea Vicha. And Rabbi Kubrin in the footnotes just adds on, why doesn't it ever say Elokei Moshe? Moshe got all the mitzvos. Right? So you would think, some maybe to Yoshua, Elokei Moshe never says that. So Rabbi Kubrin says in the footnotes in Source 12, well, maybe because Moshe was, was, it was different. The other personalities received mitzvos to then put into place. They were going to be the role models. Moshe was more of the conduit. It wasn't given to Moshe. It was given to Am Yisrael through Moshe. Moshe wasn't a separate stage of history like Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Amram were. So that's why he plays a different role. Either way, that's source number 12. Okay, let's try to squeeze in two more ideas. Continuing, moving right along to the next Pasuk. So what happens after this Pasuk? I am the God of Amram, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Moshe hides his face. Because he's scared. I have seen the travails 
of what my people in Mitzrayim. And on their screams I have heard because of those who oppress them. I know their pain. And I will go down, and I will save them. Then the Pasuk Zion. It seems very repetitive. I've seen it. I hear it. I know it. I've seen it. I hear it. I know it. What's the emphasis of, of these three phrases? What's the secret meaning here? Says the Aptera of the Oiv Yisrael. Rabbi Yeshua Heschel, the great Talmud of the Reveli Melech, Miluzhensk, I think. Says the Oiv Yisrael. End of this, um, 18, uh, 1755, he was born till the mid-1800s. I looked that up. Says the Oiv Yisrael. Why there's so many phrases that mean the same thing. Says the Oiv Yisrael, who is known as an Oiv Yisrael. That's why he named the Sefer Oiv Yisrael. The Abderav. I think we mentioned one Oiv Yisrael in the past. I haven't mentioned him. That he spoke about Abbas Yisrael almost every Shabbos. And one time he went up and it was Parsha's Balak. And he was going up to the Stender. And he was going to go give a drasha. And he's like, what am I going to talk about? Parsha's Balak is all about cursing each other. You know, what is it? So he's go, as he's going up, he sees Parsha's Balak. He sees the card. And he says, ah, oh, I got it. He says, Balak stands for... That's it, Balak. And the Talmudim say, no, but Rebbe, it's a vase, not a vav. And it's a kuf, it's not a kaf. And the Olive Yisrael says, when you really love somebody, you don't worry about the details. Right? It's Balak. That's the Olive Yisrael. So it says the Olive Yisrael in Source 13. All of these, is Hash- all these details, it's Hashem alluding to Moshe Rabbeinu. You've got to love Am Yisrael. You gotta know that they really deserve to be redeemed. Dehine be'emes line five. Zera Yisrael shahayu b'mitzrayim ayu b'madrega tachtona ma'od. We know we were on the 49th level of Tumah. Kilo ayu b'nei Torah v'lo hayu lehem b'malis kadish azatzman. They didn't have any teachers. They were so low. V'hagam shahayu b'em anashim tzadikim v'tovim. There was Sheva Levi, but they were still, they were so low. They were almost, almost not identifiable anymore as as the, the children of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Line 16, Ube'em ezeo pelagadol, av shelo hayadayin Torah mitzvahs, mikom hakom, hayabay amidas tovos, or yaprushim v'gadurim and arayos, like the Midrashim that talk about the things that we did hold on to, shaloshinu, shmam, lashonam, v'chulu, says the Oiv Yisrael now in the second paragraph, l'zeh amar lo Hashem Yisbarach, ra'o ra'isi, esani ami, I see they're poor. I see they're poor in mitzvos. But you know why? I know that's because of what's the phrase? It's because they're in Mitzrayim. I understand that that's the problem here. And he continues. It's because of the nogsav. The, the oppressors, the oppression of Galus, which always makes us do what, what we don't want to do. Ki yadati. Yadati was always a lushen of a connection. Yadati is machovav. I know, I feel I'm connected to their pain. Moshe, you got to go down. These are special people. 
You got to go. They deserve it. And Moshe, what does Moshe obviously complain about? He says they don't deserve it, but that's what Hashem has to convince. He says they deserve it. They're my people. We mentioned a couple of years ago. I remember the unbelievable comment of Rav Salvechik. Why Dafka did Hashem choose the snare? Why did he choose a burning bush? It's not getting consumed. Said Rav Salvechik. You think that the Jews are on fire, that they're, they're, they're getting consumed by the tumah around them. It just looks that way on the outside, but the inside is not consumed. The inside is pure. The inside is, is strong. The inside is healthy. The fire is only on the outside. But on the inside, they're amazing. Moshe, you have to go. You have to go redeem my people. So Hashem is trying to convince Moshe. He's having this whole argument with him. He even gets angry at him. Just one final ha'ara. Perak Dalad. Vayan Moshe vayomer. Helo yaminuli. Finally, Moshe says, fine, but they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe me. Velo yishmu bakoli. They will say, Hashem didn't appear to you. You're making up the whole story. And Hashem says, okay. Can I ask you something? Sure. What's in your hand over there? He says, um, stick. He says, Hashem says, throw it on the ground. He throws it on the ground. It's a nachash. Nachashim are very symbolic in the Torah. Whenever there's an evil animal, it's always a nachash. Right? Hashem says, sends nachashim for the plague. And obviously the nachash, the etadas. There, are, there weren't so many other... Obviously there was a, the arov. But what, where else do we have in the Torah specific animals that are meant to do... One individual animal that are meant to teach us something, to do something. It's the nachash. So it, it turns into a nachash. Vayanas Moshe Mipanaf. Moshe runs away. Grab onto the tail. Moshe does it. It becomes a mate again. Ask the Nitziv in Source 14. We're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. And we're talking about he knows he's talking to God. He knows by now. It's been many psukim. And now he's just saying, I, I, I can't do it. They don't deserve it. And what does Hashem do? He says, put that on the floor. It, changes, it goes into a nachash. What did Moshe do? He jumped away and hid. Who did he think he was hiding from? He's talking to God. Did he really think he was in danger? We're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. Did he really think that A, he could get out of the danger if Hashem wanted there to be a danger? And number two, how did he run away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Okay, the first, right when he introduced, he hid his face. But here, he jumped. Vayonas Moshe. He ran. He ran away from the snare. Says the Nitziv, you know what you see from here? With all the godless of Moshe Rabbeinu. And obviously, as we said, one of the Animamins, his nevuah is unparalleled and will never be paralleled. And he was Moshe Rabbeinu. But you know what you say, the Nitziv says, you see from here? He was a human being. And Hashem knew that. And Hashem, look at the next passage. Hashem didn't get upset at him. Hashem realizes that if we're in shock, and if something happens, it's human. We're human. And Moshe's human. And that's emphasized also at the beginning of the Parsha. Moshe was born. Right? As we know, other religions believe that their Redeemer was not born of a man and a woman. We know that Moshe was born. The Torah details everything. Humans. 
says the Nitziv, Ava Be'emes, where it's underlined. Shalom Yishav Adas. Ela Kasher Hisbael Pito Mimara Einov. Vinas Kasher Yonis Ish Mipriya Nachash. Biteva Adam. Hashem understands. There is a medrash, maybe, that he was punished for it. But says the Nitziv, the pastor says Hashem didn't get upset. Because Moshe is a human being. And Moshe is somebody we can learn from. And Moshe is somebody that is our greatest leader. And he's the one that the Ramam says in Ochus Tshuva, you could be as great as Moshe Rabbeinu or as evil as Yeravim ben Moshe is the one that the Rambam picks. Because he's like us. And he even quotes, and it's if quotes a halacha, also in Hilchah Shabbos, that Hashem realizes that sometimes we're just in shock and we do things without thinking because we're humans. So we leave off with a message of Moshe Rabbeinu being somebody who is so great and awesome, but he's also someone that's so human and so a role model that we could better Hashem all learn from as we start all of these parshios in Sefer Shmos. Again, we thank the sponsor. Today's show was sponsored by Dr. Yehuda Tuckman in honor of his parents' 50th wedding anniversary. May they continue to be healthy and happy together and celebrate many more smachal with all of their family. Pe'ezus Hashem. Thank you for the dedication. Mazel Tov. The show will pick up next week with Parshas Va'era.